So church this morning, I'm excited to share the second part of our series, Releasing the Grip of Anxiety. Just by way of recap, last week we kicked off this new series and we spent most of our time identifying what anxiety is and how it has such a negative impact on our lives. You would recall me saying that anxiety is the number one health issue for women these days and the number two health issue for men. And the reason it's probably only number two for men is because men want to be tough, you know. They don't want to show any weaknesses. <laughs> we also went through how destructive anxiety can be to us psychologically, emotionally, and even physically, and how it is affecting different, all different age groups in society. I spoke about certain things that have happened in our society over the past couple of decades that have heightened our anxiety to dangerous levels and that it is happening to us subconsciously. With God trying to be removed from everything in society, and the fact that most people are not connected relationally anymore, therefore becoming alone, while comparing ourselves to others, and at the same time trying to process tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, all of that is a tried and true recipe with us, all of us, struggling with more anxiety. And we identified certain ways that we can take back the control in the different areas of our lives where the enemy is trying to control us. Then finally, we started looking at the solution to the symptom through God's Word, church, exactly how we can respond in a way where Jesus promises that we can have this type of peace in our lives. And if you remember, the first truth we identified is that peace comes as we firmly root ourselves between the fact that God is good and the fact that He is in control. Do you remember this image? How many of you used that this week as you felt anxiety building up inside of you? What a basic but liberating truth it is to just rely on the knowledge that God is good, that He loves you unconditionally, and the fact that He is in control. Amen? And if you missed last week, I'd like to encourage you to go back and and listen to the sermon because it really is foundational for this series. Church, the scripture that we've been focusing on in this series for anxiety is in the book of Philippians chapter 4 from verses 4 to 9. And I want to read this for you again this morning so that we can set a platform for what God wants to do through his word today. Let's pick it up in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And today I want to start by focusing on verse 6. Let's just have a look at verse 6 on, on its own for a morning, this morning. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And church, what's very interesting here, when it says, do not be anxious about anything, it doesn't mean that you should never be anxious. 
To be anxious is to be human. So don't condemn yourself if you experience different forms of anxiety in your life. When you study this particular verse in the Greek, what you discover is that it is in the present active tense. And the command is not, don't ever be anxious. The command is rather, don't live in a constant state of anxiety. What Paul is saying to us, church, is whatever you do, make sure you don't find yourself in a present, active, constant state of anxiety. So the command is not, don't ever be anxious. The command is, don't camp there. Don't, don't pitch a tent there. You know, church, anxiety is, is a real thing. Even Jesus experienced anxiety. That may give you some comfort this morning. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was on his knees where he was so stressed and anxious about going to the cross that he literally sweated drops of blood. And you see, Jesus experienced everything we go through. And he said to the Father, Father, please would you take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew that we knew that we would experience anxiety. That's why his word is so explicit about this topic. A well-known Christian author, Max Locado, says this about anxiety. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. It's powerful, right? The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And this is what he says about verse 6. He says, this verse is a call not to a feeling, but to a decision and a deeply rooted confidence that God exists that he's in control, and that he is good. Kind of ties into what we said last week. Church, the New Testament word for anxiety is the word merina. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's the word merina. Its root is the Greek word that means to divide or to separate. And it literally means to be divided in your mind in hundreds of different directions. So I want you to consider this with me today. If God wants you focused on Him and only Him, don't you think that Satan's number one priority is to divide your mind and get you thinking in all these other directions? To get you worried, to get you fearful, to get you anxious? Your enemy knows that if he can get your mind divided and thinking about all these other things and, and get you anxious... He's possibly going to win the battle for your heart, your mind, and your life. Did you know that in the New Testament, the name devil is really not a name? It's a job description? Listen to this. The Greek word for devil is the word diabolos, and diabolos is broken into two parts. Dia, which carries the idea of penetration. To penetrate a thing from one side all the way through to the other side. The total penetration is the word dear, the Greek word dear. The second word is the word bolos, and the word bolos means to throw something like a rock. And it describes a repetitious throwing. And it's not just throwing something once, it's throwing it again and again and again and again. And when you take this word dia and you compound it to, together with the word bolos, it forms the word diabolos, which means devil. And in Greek, it describes one who pounds and pounds and pounds away at you. 
someone who repetitiously throws something over and over at you, beating that object and beating that object until finally he wears it down so much that he is able to penetrate. That's how the devil operates. He doesn't just give you one thought and then leave you. He's going to keep on bringing those thoughts. It's like the dripping of water. One little drop of water doesn't have much power. But one little drip, then another one. And then, then another one over a long period of time, it has the power to, to beat a hole through solid rock. And that's how the devil operates. And he will continue to pound away at your mind until he can finally penetrate it. Does that make sense? And church, if you're in that place where you feel like your mind is divided and you, you can't seem to focus on God and your mind's going in, in hundreds of different directions, I just want to encourage you this morning to hang in there. Because I'm believing that God is going to set so many of us free from, from the grips of anxiety. Amen? And remember, if you're struggling with anxiety, it doesn't make you, you weird or some abnormally weak individual. It just makes you human. It's only the Word of God and the power of God that is going to set us free. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And church, Paul tells us in this verse that when you get anxious about something, you will either turn to prayer or you will turn to despair. You will either turn it and commit it to God in prayer or you will try to take control of it yourself. And you know what, just think about who's writing these scriptures for a moment. The Apostle Paul, who's in prison, facing the very strong likelihood that he's going to be beheaded by the Emperor Nero, and he's the one that says, turn to God in prayer. And church, he obviously learned something. And I believe, church, he learned that peace is found on the journey paved with prayer. Can I say that again? Peace is found on the journey paved with prayer. And remember, we're all going on a journey, right? And let me ask you a question today. When you feel anxious about something in your life, something's happening in your life that anxiety levels start to climb, is God the first person that you turn to for help? It's a fair question. Because if you're anything like me in some of the seasons of my life, church, very honestly, prayer was often the last option that I would turn to in my, my defense against anxiety. I went through a stage in my life where I, could, I would wake up at a certain time every morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. Or I would just go the whole night through. And my mind would start racing with all these thoughts of, of fear and anxiety and all these what-if situations. And then I would try and find a solution to all these problems in my mind. And for a long time, church, my, my clients and my colleagues would ask me, you know, am I an insomniac? Because I would send them emails at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. Funny for them. It wasn't so funny for me, but <laughs> I wasn't sleeping. But if I wasn't sending emails, I would be eating my packet of Dorito chips or salt and vinegar chips because that would bring me some comfort, right? Who's been there? <laughs> <laughs> And often prayer was the last thing that I turned to. And when I did pray, I often prayed in a way that was not really effective because I was praying in a very general sense. And what I want us to see in the scriptures today, church, is how Paul gets very specific. 
He lets us know that there is a specific way to pray to help bring down the anxiety in our lives. And you know, there may be some of you here today that have given up on prayer. You may have given up on prayer because you just don't think it works, or you're just so sick and tired of other Christians telling you just to pray harder. Now, with your life is a mess, you're full of anxiety, the, the bottom is falling out, and someone just says, pray harder, brother. Pray harder, sister. You know, just press deeper. And maybe you've given up on this whole thing of prayer. But can I just challenge all of us here to this morning for a moment? If you've lost hope in prayer, if you've started believing that prayer doesn't work in our fight against anxiety, could it be that we've just missed precisely how to pray? Could it be, church, that we haven't been praying as specific as Paul is leading us to pray in verse 6? And I want to give you an illustration this morning. Who's ever swum in the sea before? It should be most of us, right? Doesn't seem like many of you have been to the ocean yet. <laughs> Who's ever tried to swim against the current when you're swimming in the sea? Right? And you're in the breakers and you're close to the shore, so it's fairly safe, but it's still quite scary when the, when the current comes through. But who's ever gone past the breakers and been caught up in a situation where you have been swept away by a strong side current and now you're out at sea? That's a little bit more serious, right? And if you try and swim against the current, there's a good chance that you will wear yourself out and, and even possibly drown. The only way to survive is to swim with the current and you will eventually find your way back to the shore. And it's not that you can't swim, it's that you're not, you're not swimming in the right direction. The same is true for prayer. If you keep praying in the wrong direction, you will eventually wear yourself out and drown in disappointment. Does that make sense? So let's look again at the second part of, of verse 6, where it says, By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And I want us to have a look at these, these few words, these three words for a moment, church. Prayer, petition, and requests. Prayer, petition, and request. And I want to give you a bit of a Greek word study on these words this morning. The Greek word for prayer is the word prosioche. I think it's pronounced like that, but whichever way it's pronounced, prosioche means a place of prayer or an approach to prayer where I say, I know that God can help me. It's an approach that basically says to God with confidence, I know you can help me amidst all of my anxiety. And boldly proclaiming, God, I know who you are. I know your character. I know you're good. I know you're in control. And I know you can help me fight my anxiety. The Greek word for petition is the word dehesis, which means making a confession to God that you need Him. It's getting to that place where you know that you can't do it yourself, and you're saying, God, I need you. It's an urgent request that you're making to God. It's actually taking the time to humble yourself when the anxiety just continues to spark and you, you have the shortness of breath and you can't sleep. It's humbling yourself and confess to God that, that you need Him. The Greek word for request is the word norizo, which means to, to make known. It is a specific ask for something. It is a definite and specific ask for something that you need. And church, the point I'm trying to make you this morning is that there is a big difference between general prayers and specific prayers. You know, sometimes we all tend to pray these general prayers, but, but Paul says, no, 
You need to get specific here. If you were a sharpshooter in the army, your aim would be to go for, right for the bullseye, right? How many sharpshooters are there in the army here? I know my dad was when he was in the army. Anyone else? But just have a look at this diagram. And let's just say, church, those are the different types of prayers that we offer up to God. If you offered no prayers to God, it would mean that you wouldn't even be interested in what God has to say about your situation. And you're not going to get much response back from Him. But if you pray general prayers, then you're getting closer, but, but you're still off the mark. And what Paul is trying to emphasize here is that we need to get specific. When it comes to fighting the spiritual issue of anxiety, I need to go right at the bullseye, and I need to pray specific prayers to God. I need to get ultra-specific. You know, you don't just say, Lord, help me out here, I'm drowning. You tell God exactly what you're anxious about and specifically what you need from Him. And wherever you find yourself on that diagram, church, it's between you and God, but God is leading us today to go right for the bullseye. He wants us to become ultra-specific. He wants us to be clear in what we're saying. And you know, the parents in the house today will understand this. When you have kids and they, they're really upset or they're anxious about something, they will run up to you out of breath and they'll try to start telling you what's going on. But they're in such stress and, and, and panic that they can't make, you can't make out a thing that they're saying. You don't understand them. It's like this, this gibberish that's coming out. And they're not even telling you what they need. They're in trouble, they're very anxious, but they're not even telling you what's wrong. I mean, has anyone ever experienced that? And as a good mom and a good dad, what do you tell them? You say, hey, slow down, take a deep breath, calm down. And what do you say? Just speak clearly. Just speak clearly. And you see, you want them to, to be specific with you. Let me give you another analogy this morning, and this is for us men. Uh oh Men, let's be honest. We have to be more specific with our wives when we talk to them. Uh oh <laughs> I mean, we have to get past the limitations of our dialogue that when we come home and our wives have to, you know, get rid of their 7,000 words for the day, that we only respond with eight words, you know? My day was good, thanks. What's for dinner? <laughs> I know it's hard, men. I know it's hard. But women want us to explain very specifically to them about our day, every part of it. And you know, at least get a couple of hundred words out before you go into your nothing box. Don't worry, I haven't, I haven't perfected this, this yet either myself. My wife will confirm that. But the point I'm trying to make, church, is that you have to use your words to have a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship. In the same, word, same way, you need to use your words to communicate to your heavenly Father who wants to bless you and pull you out of the despair of anxiety. And church, God already knows what we need before we ask. And I know that sounds kind of contradictory, and if you're anything like me, you would have thought in the past, well, if God knows what I want, why do I need to take the time to tell Him what it is that I want, right? But church, what if? What if us giving specific requests to God isn't just for His benefit, but for ours? Think about this for a moment. What if it's not for God because He already knows what we need, 
What if it is for our advantage? And I want you to have a quick look with me at Mark chapter number 10. If you can go there in your Bibles. Keep your place there in, in Philippians chapter 4. But go with me to Mark chapter 10. We'll pick it up from verse 46. And there's something key I want you to see here. This is what it says. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, now that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and follow Jesus on the road. And church, just for a moment, think about how much anxiety must come over a person who has to sit by the roadside begging every day and they're blind. Just imagine that. And all of a sudden you hear that Jesus, the miracle work, is passing by and he starts yelling over and over again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's putting all his hope and his, his prayers in Jesus. And Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Church, don't you think that Jesus already knew what he wanted? Of course he did. But Jesus is asking him, just like with us, he knows what we need before we ask. But the point of the passage this morning, church, is there's something very powerful and profound when we come to God and we take the time and we put in the effort to specifically ask him what we need. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks. I mean, just can you imagine what Bartimaeus is thinking? Imagine what the disciples are thinking. They're thinking, can't you see that he's blind? Jesus, did you miss that he's blind? And you see, church, the point I'm making, Jesus knew this. He just wanted him to articulate it clearly. He wanted him to articulate his breakthrough. And finally, he tells Jesus, Jesus, that I may see. Rabbi, now that I may receive my sight. And church, it's something very significant that happens between a person when they communicate to the Heavenly Father exactly what they need. And the more you pray specifically, the more God can ease your anxiety. And here's why. Here's why praying specifically is significant for us and why it's for our benefit. I want to give you three reasons. Number one. A specific prayer request helps us to get to the, raw, the root cause of issues. It helps us to get to the root of it. One of the biggest reasons God wants us to pray specifically about anxiety is because when we feel anxious, we very seldomly name what we're anxious about, right? And because anxiety is a future fear or a future worry, it can be quite hazy and undefined. And we think it's one thing, but we miss what's going on beneath the surface. We miss what's really going on inside of us. 
and it may manifest itself outwardly in the form of anger or some other form of, of reaction, but what it really is is a secondary emotion. And the root cause, if you dig beneath the surface, usually there's stuff there like insecurities or feelings of, of abandonment or betrayal. And you see, God wants us to get to the root of the issues and a specific prayer helps you, you process this. You know, as an example, you, you may say that you're very anxious about your job and you pray a general prayer to the Lord saying, Lord, please help me with my anxiety at work. This is a general prayer, but if you want to get specific, you've got to go for the bullseye, right? And maybe you're not really anxious about your career. Maybe you're just anxious about this new job or this new contract that you've landed and that you've got to take the responsibility on for that and you don't want to mess up. And when you break it down bit by bit, it doesn't seem that significant anymore. And church, if you don't name it and be specific, it will remain unclear and hazy, and hazy, excuse me, and it will cause you to be anxious about something that you can really conquer in life. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in school, if you, you're in varsity or you're, you just started a new job or you've been in a career for most of your life, I want to encourage you this morning that God has placed you there. You were meant to be there, right? He will give you the solutions to overcome what is required of you. You need to hold on to that. And you see, all the enemy wants to do is fill your mind with darkness and confuse you. But God says, speak to me clearly and I will light the pathway of understanding for you. Number two, a specific prayer grows your faith in the goodness of God. You know, if I had to pray a generic prayer and God comes through for me, I might forget to give God the credit for it. I might put it down to just, you know, good luck or coincidence that I've experienced this breakthrough. But when you pray a specific prayer and God comes through and answers and delivers that prayer request, there is no denying that God is on the throne and that His hand has moved mightily on your behalf. Amen? And you know what? I'd like to encourage you to, to start a prayer journal. If you haven't already got one, make notes of your prayer journey with the Lord. And when breakthrough comes and your prayers are answered, give all the glory back to God. Give it all back to Him. But if you're not praying specifically, you're not making notes of it, what are you going to give Him glory for? And church, prayer really is your intimate journey with the Lord. I think as Francis Chan that said, prayer is a way of walking in love with the Lord. It's beautiful, right? And finally, number three, a specific prayer can really be empowered if you pray a specific scripture. When you start to mature in your faith, church, and you start to see that your prayer life and your scripture life intercedes, intercept, shall I say, and that's, that, that's great. There's great power in that. And what I mean by this, church, is that you find a promise in the Bible that fits your need, that fits your problem, that fits your anxiety, right? And you start getting to the root of what's happening in your life. You find a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture that speaks out of God's Word to that particular need. And you turn it into a prayer. And you pray God's Word back to God. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but what you're doing is praying God's truth of your life and of your situation. There's great power in that. 
Now, church, this means that we have to become intimate with the Word of God, and the more you grow in the knowledge of God's Word, the more truth you will be able to pray into the different situations of your life. Church, is this okay? Is it helping you this morning? So I'm going to close this morning. I'd like to ask the worship team to please come up. And I want to challenge you today, church. I want to challenge all of us. I want to challenge you today to pray differently. Can I just challenge you today to get alone with God and start praying specifically? Take the time that you need to understand that you may be anxious about one thing, but eventually realize it's something completely different. Break it down bit by bit and realize that it's not significant, but whatever it is, then take that to the Lord in prayer. Become a person who runs to God as your first line of defense against the enemy of anxiety. Commune with your God. Spend time with Him. Get into the Word of God and start praying truth over your situation. You know what? Remind God about His Word. I know that God doesn't need reminding, but you say, God, you said this about me and my situation, and I'm going to take hold of that. I'm going to believe you and trust you that this is exactly what I need for my situation. And church, if you will just change the way that you pray, I believe that God will ease your anxiety and we'll get on the winning side of this thing. And we'll be able to live out what Paul is saying, be anxious for nothing. Do we want to be in that place? Be anxious for nothing. And church, whatever you do, don't live in a constant state of anxiety. Bring it to the comforter. Bring it to the Lord in prayer and He will give you rest. You guys okay? You're very quiet today. Church, we're going to go into a time of uh, communion now. I'd like to ask the well to please come up. Actually, okay. And church, while we get ready to take up the communion, just remember the sacrament that we're taking, the elements that we're taking, there's power in the blood, there's power in the broken body of Jesus Christ. Whatever we need to face, whatever the enemy tries to throw into our life in the form of fear and worry and anxiety, there is power as we take these elements to deal with those things in our life. It's only by the power of God that we will be set free. Amen? Amen.